0: The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Well, guys, it's almost time to turn the page. It's Monday. It's December 21st. We can pretend it's October. Doesn't matter. Actually, no one wants to pretend it's this October. We don't want to go backwards. But you know what I mean. We can pretend. Normal NBA season. One day away. Draft season's almost over. For many of us, I actually still have two more drafts tonight. I keep, every year, I'm like, nah, I'm not going to add any more. I'm a little overextended. And then every year I add. And so this year, six money leagues. All daily moves. And then, of course, 30 deep, which, you know, industry bragging rights and all that stuff. It's very hard to win 30 deep. You have to have a a perfect combination of brilliant drafting and luck because there's, like, one guy on the waiver wire the entire year. 30 deep. I mean, the thing goes 360 picks deep on draft day. Plus, anybody that's injured immediately gets thrown on the I.L. So it's really more like 380 picks deep on draft day. So whatever. That one's not super important. But for many of us, draft season is coming to a close or has closed already. A lot of you guys are are done. You're just looking forward to tomorrow, getting things going. Lakers, Clippers, Nets, Dubs. The season begins tomorrow at 4 o'clock Pacific time for 10. They usually tip about 10 minutes past the hour with the Warriors in Brooklyn to take on the Brooklyn Nets. Clippers and Lakers are not surprisingly in Los Angeles. Lakers are the home team for that matchup, but... You know, same arena for now. Clippers building one, but for now, same arena. You know, in my mind, there was this weird thing in the back of my head where I was like, oh, yeah, season starts on Thursday. And then I started the podcast and went, wait a minute, it's tomorrow. That said, that said, uh, for those of you that are still drafting, good luck to you. It's been a lot of fun. I had four over the weekend, which was uh, a lot. My family is beginning to miss me, and they will for one more day. And then tomorrow it's going to be like, all right, I'm going to watch some games and hang out with my family because I've been abandoning ship on that for a few days here, (laughs) getting ready for fantasy draft season. And so that's what we're talking about on today's podcast Dan's Drafts. Today is Dan's Drafts Day on Fantasy NBA Today. Welcome to the show, everybody. I am Dan Bespris, your host. Many of you, I know, new listeners for this 2020-2021 NBA season, welcome. I am elated to have you aboard. Uh, this show, I mean, I work on a lot of things for HoopBall, but this show is sort of my baby. You know, I started this thing in relatively early 2016, but we didn't have a channel at that point. We were just posting... MP3s on the Hoopball hoop website. I think we were dropping it into the Cause and Brew feed or something. We had like all of our shows just all mashed into one, but there were only two or three shows at the time. And then, right at the end of that year, I believe it was December of 2016, we actually launched this show on its own platform. So we are right around our four-year anniversary right now. It was not until a year after that, that we actually moved on to a legit podcasting network so it's kind of the three-year anniversary of when we became a real podcast a real powerhouse and we've just been growing ever since then and so I wanted to start today's show because tomorrow is is opening night so today is sort of my opportunity to, to get a little mushy at the beginning and say how much I appreciate you guys this is fun for me because I know people are listening I did minor league baseball for a long time. I never knew if anyone was listening. I did the games all the same with enthusiasm and excitement wherever I could muster them, although I distinctly remember a game that my precious Bakersfield Blaze lost to the Modesto Nuts something like 20-3, to and I spent three innings talking about how far you could go on $150 of gasoline. That was a rough day. But this is different. I I can just look at the numbers, and I can say, oh, cool, that's how many people listened to this podcast. And it just gets bigger every year. And every year I look at it and go, I can't believe this is happening. I can't believe I get to spend an hour every day talking about fantasy basketball. And more people continue to listen to it. And many of you, I guess, like it. So thank you. You guys are incredible. Thank you for rating the podcast five stars. Thank you for hitting that subscribe button. That moves us up the charts so that other people can find the podcast. Thank you for tweeting at me and retweeting things about the podcast. You guys have been a big, big part of every bit of success this show has had. And I do thank you again from the bottom of my heart. Please follow me on Twitter. Those of you that are new to this, these proceedings, my Twitter account is at Dan Bespris. D-A-N. Dan, you should be able to spell. Bespris, you should not be able to spell because it's weird and it's uh, probably Yiddish. It's B as in boy, E-S as in Sam, B as in boy, R-I-S as in Sam, or just Google search Dan from Ball, and it'll pop right on up there. So do follow me there. I do a lot of stuff on Twitter, a lot, a lot. This year, uh, those of you that, are, that have done it before, you guys have seen my fantasy tweet storms about the key things happening every night, what I'm watching for on the card every evening. This year, we'll probably do a tiny bit less of that because, you know, family, COVID, all that stuff. Uh, But I do want to work in some more gambling tweet storms this year. So there's going to be a lot going on on Twitter. That is, again, at Dan and I hope to see you there. Big thank you once again to Brewski and Dr. A, who appeared on our Friday episode of this show. If you haven't listened to that one, you can just let it keep on playing after this podcast. and It'll probably go back a day. That was a lot of fun. We talked first-round stuff, James Harden stuff, the buzz guys like SGA, Christian Wood, Michael Porter Jr., some of the most... Uh, the ADP jumpers, I guess you could call them, in fantasy basketball. Uh, Talked to Brewski a little bit about life. Talked to Steve a bit about just getting his guys, like Luca. what fantasy means to them. That was a lot of fun on Friday. And I, of course, dropped the Dan vespers Old Man Squad on Friday's edition, which, by the way, lesson learned for me, I should not put that show out before my own drafts. I learned that lesson the hard way. Uh, Oh, merciful heavens. Learned that lesson the hard way. Uh, Went into some drafts this weekend with people who knew exactly every single person that I'd be targeting. This didn't used to be a problem. even Even when I had the podcast the first couple of years of this show, because most of the leagues I was in were with friends. Friends and friends of friends who eventually figured out I was doing a fantasy podcast, but I don't think many of them had the time to listen to it. Now... A lot of the spots, when people leave those leagues, I usually just put out a clarion call on Twitter or on this podcast, and so we're filling slots in leagues of people that are listening to the show. So I'm looking at you guys out there. I'm talking directly to you, listener, who's in my fantasy leagues, knowing who I'm going to pick. This is hard now. It's very hard to win when everybody knows what move you're going to make. I'm still going to get you guys. Still going to get you. Oh, I can't wait. Rant, can't wait. Real stuff happens tomorrow. So let's dive into today's stuff. Um I had set the set the background for you a little bit here on this on this show. I had four drafts over the weekend, but I believe only three of them are uh relevant to, to your interests, as friends like to say on the Facebook. They are relevant to your interests. The fourth one is an eleven category league. I've mentioned that at times on this podcast before. It plays like a points league. So sometimes I will reference that league in terms of, oh, here's a guy who's interesting in my 11-cat league because it plays like a points league. It has uh, field goals made and free throws made in addition to the other stuff. But that's not the one we're going to break down on this show. We'll break down two nine-category roto drafts and one nine-category head-to-head draft I had over the weekend. I think if I walk all of us through... That draft, my own picks in particular, we can get an idea of sort of how to build our own teams. You guys can get a peek into my brain. And also, we can learn from it. What mistakes were made and how can we correct for them? And so I'm thinking the things that folks have been asking about is probably where we'll focus our breakdown on this podcast. We'll do it in chronological order too. So my first draft over the weekend was on Saturday at 5 o'clock Pacific time. It was my first non-mock, and it happened to be with heavily people that either listen to the podcast or follow hoop ball closely. I think there's was like maybe three guys in that draft that don't. And I probably should have been maybe a bit more aware of that element, of how that would then change... The way things went in the draft, because most of the mocks I've been looking at are just sort of people—they're hoop ball people. They're not specifically fantasy NBA Today podcast listeners, but they're hoop ball people. Some of them are Roto World people. You know, you got some basketball monster guys. There's this that that sort of cross section of the fantasy universe, and that's pretty good, actually. Really good stuff to know if you're going into a draft of, I don't want to say random people, but just a normal cross-section of friends and whoever. Usually, they don't all read the same thing. This draft, and then the one that followed it as well, heavily people that follow this podcast, and uh, me specifically at times, and I wasn't ready for it. I wasn't ready for it. So you guys, I mean, even those of you that are in the draft with me, you probably saw this happening in the middle rounds. Uh, let me just tell you round one, because everybody wants to know basically the top 20 and where guys are going. So I'll, I'll just start with that, and then I'll break down my own team. So round one, Anthony Davis went first, Cat Steph were top three, Harden went four, which is just remarkable, and... Insane. He needs to be, he still needs to be going number one. You could make an argument for two, maybe an argument for three. I don't think, I mean, he should not be falling to four. Luka Doncic went at five, and I was at six, so I was happy that Dame made it to me. Because if I wasn't going to get Steph, my hope was that maybe Giannis and Luka would go before me, and I could get, probably, I would figure it was going to be Steph at that point. But in this draft, it might have been Harden. Uh, But that was not to be. So I had my choice between Dame and Jokic, and I went Dame. In this draft. Because with Jokic, you get a little bit of everything. But you put yourself in a really tight spot in scoring-related categories. With Jokic as your first-round pick. Because look at the other guys that are going at the, the top of the first round. And this, this is not a hard exercise to do. But it's one that we haven't really done on this podcast before. You've got uh, AD, who last year scored 26 points a game. You've got Harden, 34 Cat, who was at 27 before getting hurt. Steph, who will be most likely in the mid to high 20s, although, you know, he didn't really play last year. So you can probably throw that out a little bit. If you go back to the previous year, Steph was at 27. So if you just want to work off that number, you've got that. And then there's Jokic, who was at 20 last year. And, you know, among first round picks, not named Hassan Whiteside, Jokic was the lowest scoring one of them. And I'm not, you know, Nurkic doesn't count because he only played a half dozen bubble games. That's different. So we'll just we'll talk pre-bubble, last season, per game stuff. The top twelve, Hassan Whiteside was the was at 16. Jokic was at 20, and then the next lowest was Jason Tatum near 24. So yes, 20 points isn't bad for an NBA player. But the first round guys are generally the ones that give you a power boost in that particular sco- statistical department. If you don't get it, and we talk about this a lot. There's just not a lot of scoring late in fantasy drafts. As you work your way through, the thing that drops off most precipitously is scoring. You might be able to argue assists, but they're you know it's not quite that same thing. Like yeah, Trey, LeBron, these guys are going in the first round. Kyle Lowry's going in the fourth. You have examples of guys who have that almost almost that same level of assisting going in the 40s and 50s. I mean, John Wall, Ricky Rubio, there just aren't guys past those first couple rounds that score 25 points per game. There aren't. Colin Sexton is about as close as you get. He was at 21 last year. That's it. Julius Randle, I mean, these are some of the latest drafted guys that still score a lot of points. So, by drafting Nikola Jokic, it doesn't feel like you're really shooting yourself in the foot in points, but you kind of are. Which, for me, not usually that big of a deal. I end up being kind of weak in points anyway. But, here, just from this perspective, if you were comparing Dame to Jokic on a per-game basis last year, Dame obliterated him. He was more valuable by, you know, a factor of like a, a, a fourth round pick, separating those two guys. So I went Dame, and it, and it wasn't that big of a decision. Jokic is slightly easier to build around because you don't have any massive deficiencies to attack right at the outset. Where with Dame, you know, your field goal percent takes a little bit of a hit, your blocks take a hit. Although Jokic is not that great at that. Uh, with Jokic, I mean, you could argue threes. You're in a three-pointer deficit at the outset. But anyway, that was my thinking on pick number one. That wasn't the point of this. I'll be going through my the rest of my draft here momentarily. Giannis went at eight. LeBron at nine. Oh, sorry. Jokic went right behind me at seven. Trey Young at 10. Devin Booker at 11. And Jason Tatum at 12. Pretty standard first round. Other than maybe Booker going at 11. And Kawhi going at 13. You could kind of see that... And LeBron going at 9 was relatively early as well. Those guys kind of get jumbled up in the 9 through 13 range, but it tends to be roughly those same dudes in some order. Joel Embiid went at 14 in this one. I thought that was a little bit early also, if only because there's there's just a lot of risk. You guys know I'm a little down on Embiid this year, and maybe that'll end up biting me. I don't know. Uh, KD went at 15. That's where he's going in every draft as far as I've seen. Adebayo 16, Jimmy Butler went a little earlier than expected at 17, Bradley Beal at 18, which meant that I got Paul George at 19, and I was elated. I was absolutely stoked. Damian Lillard, Paul George, what a start. What a start. I am not at all concerned about the Paul George we saw this most recent season, because if you look back one year prior, Paul George, healthy with usage, played 37 minutes per game in Oklahoma City and averaged 28, 8, and 4, with 2.2 steals and almost four three-pointers a game. And do I think he gets back to that mark? I don't. I do not. But it's worth noting that, you know, that was a two-superstar team with Paul George and a very high-usage Russell Westbrook, who averaged a triple-double while taking 20 shots a game. So if you're like, well, Kawhi's going to take it all away from him, I don't think it's quite that simple. And for the Clippers... They lost a relatively high usage guy in Montrez Harrell. I know that it's not, you know, he, he didn't... Montrez wasn't just taking shots willy-nilly this last season. He wasn't uh, hucking, but he'd take 13 shots a game. And maybe Serge Ibaka comes in and takes all 13 of those. But I'm inclined to believe that a lot of what we see this year is going to be a little bit less Kawhi Leonard, a little bit more Paul George... And then the other things, you know, it's just how they use these guys. Paul George only played 29 and a half minutes a game last year. That's less than Kawhi Leonard. At an absolute minimum this year, if he's healthy, he's playing 32 and a half minutes a game. So just go ahead and add 10% to everything right out of the shoot. Easy. Easy peasy. So Paul George, who, uh, again, finished at number 20 on a per-game basis this last year, while effectively kind of stinking... Um, and then, I mean, I guess if you look at bubble versus pre-bubble, stuff like that, he was a little better in the bubble. That elevated him a little bit. But that's that's crazy, by the way. To to think that Paul George was at 30 on a per-game basis during the pre-bubble regular season and then jumped all the way to 20 just when you add in a handful of bubble games. You think he played five, six of their uh, pre-playoff bubble games but his minutes were up, all of his stuff was up. And he was having, you know, he was battling depression at that point. All right, that's crazy to think. And that's with Nurk getting slotted in in front of him, sort of a gift. That would have pushed him one slot further down the board. So he actually gained 11 slots by playing five bubble games. If you just look, and and maybe I should have made this more clear with uh, how positive i am on paul george if you just look at his what was it six did he play six of their eight bubble games he was number 12 in the bubble it it top it was a first round clip he was at 32.8 minutes per game yeah right not surprising um 26 points five boards four assists almost two steals his field goal percent was better he hit four three pointers a game so, yeah, very happy that I ended up with Paul George in the second round. The rest of the second round was DeAndre Ayton at 20. Uh, Vooch, Collins, Irving, and Westbrook were the last of the second round in that first draft. So let's talk a little bit about my draft in particular. You already heard Dame and Paul George in the third round. I took Chris Paul at 30, and I did that in both, actually, of my Roto drafts on Saturday. These are 9-cat Roto. I personally think Chris Paul has another very good year. Now everybody thinks I'm nuts. Everybody thinks I'm nuts. But think about it from this perspective. Chris Paul in in the bubble when they were sort of going easy on all of their guys because everybody was jockeying to try to play the Utah Jazz in the first round of the playoffs. The Nuggets ended up winning that sweepstakes. Chris Paul only took 11.8 shots per game. During his bubble exhibition games, he averaged 16.5 points, 5 boards, 6.5 assists, 1.8 steals, 1.5 three-pointers. 46.5% from the field, which was down from his regular season. 96% at the free throw line was a little bit up. 3.5 turnovers a game, which is higher than he's usually at, and that was a top 25-ish clip. I just, I don't know how Chris Paul is any worse on a per-game basis than 25 even with diminished roll, I don't see how it happens. So I went Chris Paul. I know I'm kind of leaning into a guard-heavy build at this point. I have Dame, Paul George, and Chris Paul. My assists look really good. My steals look really good. My three-pointers look really good. My free-throw shooting is absolutely magical at this point. Uh, my, free, my field goal percent could use some help because Dame was, I uh, mean, not really not bad last year by all accounts. He he was better than expected. He was like around 46%. That's still an ever so slight negative. Paul George, of course, a much larger negative in field goal percent, and, and it's not coming up for him. He's taken a lot of three-pointers, a lot of step backs. Dame is just a better shooter. He just is. I don't think there's any arguing that. Chris Paul actually helps in that department by getting another guard who's good at field goal percent. So that helped buttress the Paul George thing a little bit, even without getting a big man by getting a guard who doesn't hurt you. And maybe even helps you in field goal percent. You actually do a lot of positive work there, but my team has no rebounding at all. Paul George may be getting me what six, seven this year. Dame is a pretty good. In fact, both Dame and Chris Paul are decent rebounding guards. Paul had five rebounds a game this last year. Dame was at four and a half. Um, Paul George was where the hell was Paul George? Paul George was at about six this last year. Yeah, I mean, that's not going to get it done. So in the round, in round four, I started to think, all right, well, where do my where are my needs? And it seemed to me that my needs were pretty explicitly field goal percent, rebounds, and blocks at this point. I didn't have any, I didn't have any big men. Uh, blocks was a huge issue, field goal percent was a medium issue, and rebounding was probably a pretty big issue as well. So I went Mitchell Robinson a little bit earlier than I normally would. I was debating between Mitchell Robinson and uh, Jonas Valanciunas with my fourth-round pick. With JV, I thought, well, maybe there's a, a fleeting hope he gets back to me. Probably not. But if I can only take one of these guys, which one do I think finishes higher this coming year, and I have Mitchell Robinson by a nose, just by a nose. Last year, they were almost neck and neck. Mitchell Robinson was 52, JV was 47. That is, by all accounts, the exact same per game value. That's basically the same. Um, My thought process here is that with JV, you're going to basically get a repeat of last year, which is good. He was number 47. He averaged 15 and 11 with a block, 58% from the field, 73 at the free throw line. So, you know, big man that doesn't hurt you in free throw percent very much. Helps you a lot in field goal percent. Really good rebounder and just very consistent. He was also pretty damn healthy last year. Mitchell Robinson, who was right behind him at number 50, was at uh, 10 points, 7 boards, but a steal and 2 blocks, and 74% from the field. Somehow he was actually a bigger positive. And also, not sure that this really matters all that much, but Mitchell Robinson doesn't turn the ball over at all. Where JV is relatively low in turnovers, Mitch Rob is effectively zero. He's like adding a goose egg to that, which was important to me because I think Paul George and Dame are going to be relatively high in turnovers. Dame is going to be around three. PG is probably going to be around three. Not that my team was bad. I didn't have you know, a Harden or a Trey or a LeBron or one of these guys that's in the in the three and a half to five range, but throwing a zero in there means that. And I this argument that uh that that circulates a little bit that other teams competing at the end are going to rack up turnovers and the teams that quit will not. My thought there is that that's accurate, but that just means that you're competing with the other teams that are still trying. So beat them. It doesn't matter. Like, in head-to-head, I get it. In head-to-head, I totally get it because you're not... uh, When a bunch of teams give up, you're going to beat them in everything and you're going to lose to them in turnovers no matter how good you are in turnovers. There's actually a a way where some teams that give up like two, three weeks left in a roto season, you could still beat them in turnovers. And that's just gravy because if you're beating the other top teams that you're fighting with in turnovers, that's a two-point swing. So you absolutely should pay attention to them in Roto Leagues. Absolutely. And with Mitchell Robinson, my other thought is, last year was kind of about basically as bad as it gets. He played 23 minutes a game. He didn't seem like he was fully healthy almost at all last year. Learning how to stay on the floor without getting into foul trouble. Free throw percent's not going to be very good for him, but you know, field goal percent is going to be fine. Uh, and so looking at this year, you know, worst case scenario is probably a minute split with Nerlandz Noel, who I also love, by the way, in fantasy drafts. And he's been going too damn early and I haven't been able to get my hands on him yet. But for Mitch Robb, he did this in 23 minutes a game. If that even goes up to 24, he passes JV on a per game basis. That's it. He only needs one more minute a game. So that's a, that was that was something I was willing to bank on. And then in round five, something weird happened, and I can't fully explain it. I think it had something to do with the fact that um, both of the guys that I thought would get back to me ended up getting scooped at the last minute. And this is not—this is bad planning on my part. I thought that Tobias Harris would get to me for sure. This was Dan targeting Tobias Harris round. He was the guy I had all lined up here. I figured— you know, if JV got back to me, I would take him, but I wasn't expecting it. I My backup plan was Tobias Harris, and my backup to my backup plan was sort of an internal debate between LaMarcus Aldridge, Buddy Heald, and Miles Turner, which was weird because Miles Turner's never been a guy that I've talked about on this podcast. He wasn't really a guy I was targeting at all. In fact, I referred to him as, you know, very boring safe play this most last season and it's not that he's terrible it's not that he's terrible in fact Miles Turner was number 53 last year so by all accounts in this draft I took him at 54 so he could be a one slot value if he does the exact same thing season over season. It's just not really a guy I was targeting. But then when Tobias Harris got scooped up and I started this weird monologue in my head, when you only have 90 seconds, you should not have an internal monologue going of, well, you know, can LaMarcus Aldridge keep up his block performance? Do I want rebounds here? Do I want my percentages, guys? Do I want to just... Pa- and and somewhere along the way, and then I thought, do I want Buddy Heald? And I wrote him off because I had Damon Paul George, so I didn't need the... Uh, the, the scoring in the threes, or so I thought, and I got all twisted up. I got all twisted up, because I, I was so laser-focused on Tobias Harris, and I was so convinced he was going to get back to me here for my, you know, 18, 19 points on good percentages, just give me a little bit of everything and and super durable kind of, kind of deal at this point, although my team isn't super risky at, by any stretch. And then, at the, in that moment, And I don't know why I didn't take Lamarcus Aldridge, because very he's very much the Dan Bespris pick here. Lamarcus was number 25 on a per-game basis last year. Even with a step back, he beats this mark. But in my mind, I thought, well, you know what? I'm just gonna run blocks. And again, it's not a terrible idea. It's just weird. And it was a change of direction because Miles Turner is not that great at percentages. He's an ever so slight negative in both of them. His value is almost exclusively tied up in blocked shots, which was not something I needed anymore after drafting Mitchell Robinson, who's probably going to be two to two and a half blocks a game. You don't need multiple of those types of guys. But here I am in that moment, in the end. As the clock's ticking down, and I thought, ah, screw it. LaMarcus is old. He's going to take a step back. At least I know Miles Turner is going to be a top 60 guy who blocks a crap ton of shots. And I drafted him. And I feel weird about it. Looking back, again, I don't really hate it, but I really don't like it either. There are too many things I could have done here that would have made more sense to my team build. I needed rebounds more. Even you know Mitchell Robinson didn't really take care of that department all that much. So Aldridge, well, not all that much better than Miles Turner there. But if I really wanted rebounds, I could have looked down into the next round at you know someone like a Thomas Bryant was probably going to be a better rebounder. Although you know I admit that might have been a hair early on Bryant. Other guys that went shortly thereafter, uh, Lonzo Ball I think is going to have a big year. Rob Covington I think will beat this mark. I just got caught in a weird pocket where most of the guys I wanted to draft on my board were guys I wanted to take in the sixth round, and I couldn't come to terms with that in my mind in those 90 seconds, and so I just took a guy who I know was going to be around a fifth rounder on a per-game basis, and I'm now very good in blocks, and I'm also still very good in threes, but I still haven't fully solved my rebounding and field goal percent issue. I sure as heck solved my block issue. I still think my free throws are in decent shape at this point because my first three guys can carry that in a special way. And, you know, with Turner, he doesn't take very many, and Mitchell Robinson doesn't take many, and, and Miles is not that bad at him anyway. So uh, Mitch Rob is the one that I've, I'm counterbalancing a little bit, but uh, Dame can do that himself. Dame is better than that by himself. Chris Paul and Paul George on top of that, you you know, you're just, you're stacking at that point. So then it looped back around to me in the sixth round, and here I am once again. First of all, Marcus Smart got taken, and that pissed me off. And Rob Covington got taken, and that pissed me off. But I did have a plan at this point. I had a number of guys in my queue. Uh, Thomas Bryant was in my queue. Uh... Brooke Lopez, but then I kind of wiped him out once I had all the blocked shots. Al Horford was in my queue, Brandon Clark, Victor Oladipo. I had a number of guys that I was eyeballing here in the sixth round because now we're at pick 67, and I'm starting to feel a little bit better about taking some of these guys. But then one guy was still hanging out out there that I didn't plan on drafting, but there he was, still available at 67, didn't really fit what I was trying to do at this point, but I did it. And that was Clint Capella. And the reason I don't like this pick now is because I already had Miles Turner. But this is why you take the best available player. Because if I had just in the fifth round taken Lamarcus Aldridge, who in my estimation was the best player on the board at pick 54, not Miles Turner, it was Lamarcus, but I was so worried. About Aldridge taking a step back in his blocked shots and just overall production, that I was like, well, you know what? Like, if he doesn't block shots, then this doesn't secure that category, and it doesn't really secure anything. I took Miles Turner, and then in the sixth round, sure enough, there's my guy to so take care of block shots and rebounding and field goal percent. Clint Capella still on the board, so I took him, and now all of a sudden, my team isn't that good at free throw percent anymore. My team is now pretty darn good at field goal percent with Capella and Mitchell Robinson on the team. Those two guys, by the way, uh, John Collins, Hassan Whiteside, Rudy Gobert, I think are the only three guys in the NBA who were a better positive impact field goal percent than Capella and Mitchell Robinson. I believe those guys are fourth and fifth last year in positive field goal percent in the terms of the imp- impact they have on your team. Rashawn Holmes, by the way, was right behind Mitchell Robinson in that department. And if Mitch Rob takes any more shots this year, then that becomes an even bigger positive. So that more than wipes out the Paul George negative in that department. Suddenly now I actually have a good field goal percent team. I don't know how the hell it happened, but my team flipped on its nose. My team is now good at field goal percent. Meh. At free throw percent, after starting with Dame, PG, and Chris Paul, my team is now extraordinary in blocked shots. Clint Capella was at 1.8 last year. That'll probably come down a little bit. And then Mitch Rob and Miles both are probably over two. What have I done? I've walked myself into a very weird team. Paul George, by the way, blocks half a shot by himself also. Chris Paul, Dame, not so much. I guess Dame was at, like, 0.3 last year, so not non-existent but nearly non-existent so now I'm six rounds in and I don't know what the hell my team's identity is they're uh very good in three pointers now my assists are no longer all that impressive after the last three rounds because I haven't added to them in any meaningful way my scoring is I I don't even know at this point that's kind of middle of the pack also and I have a team that's uh pretty good in field goal percent very good in blocks I still think I'm pretty damn good in steals because Mitch Rob is going to get a few of those. Miles is going to get a few of those. Capella gets a few of those at the center position as well. So very good in steals, very good in blocks. Suddenly my team is now very good in turnovers. I don't know how the hell that happened. Steals, blocks, turnovers. Pretty damn good in field goal percent. Pretty, Still pretty good in three-pointers, I would think, with PG and Dame each hitting about four a game, but, you know, not as... Locked in as it was before, because Chris Paul is going to be a, a little under two. Miles is going to be a little under two. And then Mitch, Rob, and Capella are zeros. And, you know, sort of, so kind of average in threes, not very good in points, a little better in rebounds, but I call it average. Average in assists, average in free throw percent now. And I've built this weird team by accident. So in round seven, I started to focus back in. I was like, okay, I'm very average in a bunch of stuff. Let's figure out if I can shore some of these things up. So round seven came around. Uh, I wanted Brandon Clark. I wanted Victor Oladipo. I wanted Al Horford. All those guys were gone by the time it got to me. So my debate then became uh, Colin Sexton, or do I move down the board a little bit further? And I went Sexton, because that was an easy one here. Uh, This was at pick 78, and that's totally fine, because he's just going to chunk along Probably somewhere in that neck of the woods. Like if we go, what was Colin Sexton's last 20 games last year? That's a good point. He was 68. (laughs) And I got him at 78. 24 points per game. Three boards, four assists, a steal. 51% from the field, 84 at the free throw line. Okay, good. I got a guard who's a positive impact field goal and free throw guy. That was critical. Short up points. Short up threes. Didn't really shore up assists very much, but short up points, threes, both percentages, hurt myself in turnovers a little bit, but I'm still very good there. I feel good about this pick. I think this was wise. It didn't address my assist and my rebounding stuff going on at this point. But it gave my team a little bit better identity. Now I think I'm better in both percentages. I'm still very good in defensive stats. Maybe not quite as good in turnovers, but again, you don't need to have to be the best in Roto there. You just need to be better than the other teams that are going to be there at the end. Round 8. Well, this one came down to a few things. It got to me at round 8, and you know, I knew my team was weak in assists. I knew my team was weak in rebounding. I didn't really want to punch a hole in anything. Because the guys that were good in those two categories at this point... We're going to punch a hole in something else I was doing. I also felt like my team was starting to get a little weaker in three-pointers, although Sexton helped that a little bit. And I had a dilemma. This is a Games Cap Roto League, and there was a guy on the board here who, when healthy, is a top 40, top 50 fantasy guy, but it's 96 now. You know, eighth round is 96. Okay, so this is like around around pick 91. And so I went Kemba Walker, because with a five-player bench in a roto league with a games cap, you can sit on one guy as long as he's not gone for too long. So that's my hope. I took Kemba Walker here. If he comes back, even remotely healthy, I can keep him on a bench for a week after he comes back just to see how he's playing. But once he's in there, I get myself a, a potential top 40, top 45 guard at 91. That's pretty sweet. I'll take my 45 games of Kemba this year. At a top forty-five clip, forty-five at forty-five. That's what I'm looking for out of you, Kemba. So I didn't really factor this into my strategy, but obviously this is a big this is a big power boost for free throws, threes, points. You look at what he did when he was actually on the floor last year. Uh, you know he the the season trended down for Kemba as we moved along. He finished at forty-three on a per-game basis, but he was at twenty-one, four and five, with a steal, half a block. Turnovers are actually relatively low. He's just a very good all-around player to be able to get at 90 in a league where you can sit on a guy a little bit. So I didn't really factor that into what I was doing because I don't know what I'm going to get out of him, but that would be a really sweet ad partway through the year. Suddenly my team becomes really, really good in points, threes, much better in assists. Free throw percent becomes very, very good again. Probably will need some field goal percent at some point, and we'll get to that. Round nine, this was sort of a weird one. Uh, I, th- I I thought Norman... Uh, I thought Nerlens Noel was going to get back to me. My plan was to take Nerlens at this point and give myself a little, you know, again, percentages, defensive stats. But he wasn't there, um, and I didn't want to go digging yet. Round 10 was when I was ready to go digging. And so I went Duncan Robinson here. Get a bunch of three-pointers on good percentages and just plug-and-play guy that won't hurt me in any percentage while racking up a truckload of threes. He was number 85 on a per-game basis last year. He shot 47% while hitting four threes a game. Cool. Free throw's good. Low turnovers. Easy. Fine. Not exciting in any meaningful way, but I wasn't ready to go do the grab-whoever part of the proceedings at this point. And plus, Nerlens was gone, and Norman Powell was gone, and so it was time for me to do something sort of obvious round 10s through 15 is where I started to uh, do some digging. You just, you sort of go get whatever weirdo you can at the end round 10. I went Otto Porter jr. Because why the hell not? You know, um, you know he's, he's not going to be the auto Porter. He was during his Washington days, but it's worth noting that two years ago, he averaged 30 minutes a game between Washington and Chicago and was number 40. Great percentages. Good steals, threes, rebounds, some blocks, good low turnovers. There aren't that many guys you can get around 120 that could actually be near the top 50. He won't. He'll probably be wildly out of shape. But if he plays 27, 28 minutes a game, he could actually be a top 70 guy. And so I'm good with that. Round 11, I took Will Barton. Same story. And this one maybe even a little bit... This one, I think, surprised the hell out of me. Because... We're talking multiple seasons now where Will Barton has uh, has been very good. I mean, two years ago, he had a groin thing pretty much the entire year. But before that, he was a top 60 guy. And then this most recent season, he was right around number 60 also. he's number 67. Didn't play in the bubble. Knee has some stuff. But again, if he sits out a week, doesn't hurt me very much in a games cap format if I can dump him in there for you know, 58 out of the 72 games and he's a top 70 guy that I'm getting near 130. I don't really know why he's on the board here when some of the other names that are getting taken. Round 12, I went Tim Hardaway Jr. He'll probably end up getting dropped. I don't really need the stats he has, but if he goes big in the scoring departments, I'll let him roll. And then round 13, 14, and 15 was just all fluff I don't know that any of these guys there are 36 guys drafted in these three rounds I don't know if any of them are going to be on a fantasy team by February so I went Malik Beasley meh he'll get dropped pretty soon I reckon uh Jay Crowder in the 14th maybe Gary Harris in the 15th he's gonna probably get dropped these are the guys that you're ready to punt at on a at a moment's notice I admit I kind of forgot I meant to take Alec Burks in the 14th, and I got sidetracked by something else. I, I had two drafts going at the same time at this point. Uh, but Burks was kind of the only guy in these last three rounds that I, I just forgot about. I was like, ah, shoot, Me- meant, to, meant to throw that guy in there and forgot to throw him in my queue. Otherwise, this, this, is, this is you know kind of a fart of a section of a draft. So that was draft number one. Uh, I felt weird about it at the end. Looking back at it now, I think my team is probably still decent. Uh, I would reckon to say probably need some rebounding and assists on this club. And we'll see how that goes. Maybe make some trades in the middle of the season. Easy enough. By the way, this show is brought to you by our buddies at Manscaped.com. Manscaped.com with coupon code HOOPBALL20. You can get 20% off and free shipping on your order. Check them out right now. They have the lawnmower 3.0. They have the Weed Whacker, the Shears, all of that stuff. You can get it for 20% off. The Weed Whacker is an ear and nose hair trimmer. The lawnmower, of course, is the full sideburn. as a body hair trimmer. The Shears, that's a luxury nail kit. They've got a brand new cologne, Manscaped Cologne, perfect for the holidays, a great gift for a person in your life. You can save that and you can give it on Valentine's Day if you want. That's not that far away now. Maybe we'll be able to hang out with other people by then. Manscaped.com. Coupon code HoopBall20. Oh, by the way, our other sponsor here on Fantasy NBA Today, mybookie.ag, six days of giveaway. That's what's going on this week. It's Christmas week. The giveaways will be ramping up throughout the week. The promotion today is a NBA early bird double your reload. So, your next deposit, they'll match it. They'll just double it. So, that's pretty sweet. Only one time rollover. 1x. Oh, no, that's, excuse me, that's uh, one time you can use that coupon. <laughs> <laughs> got to get that right. You can use the coupon one time, uh, and it's a 10x rollover on that. So, you know, put in 100 bucks, they'll give you 100 bucks, but you got to bet that one. 10 times before you can just take it out. You can't just take their $100 and then cash it out. It doesn't work that way. So that's giveaway number one on mybookie.ag. They're going to have six of them this week all rolling through Christmas and into the weekend, and we'll let you know each of those as they come. Do sign up today, mybookie.ag, promo code HOOPBALL, and let me know you did. Shoot me a tweet at Dan Vesper saying, hey, I signed up for mybookie, and uh, maybe I'll hook you up with something over here. So let me know on that. Also, I'm going to be starting... My, uh, my sports betting tweet storms tomorrow. So actually, I might do one today just to just because, damn it, I've been excited to do them. So if you're planning on betting NBA, you'll have that. You'll have best, best thoughts you can work with. So that's pretty sweet. All right, let's do one more draft. I thought I was going to get through three, but I think we're going to be targeting two today, two of my draft results. And we'll do the other nine-cat roto draft. That happened exactly one hour ago. After the first one, and I had the same pick in both. I was sixth in both leagues. So I was in about round 11 or so in my first draft, 10 or 11, I think, when the second draft started. And I started to think to myself, all right, if I get Dame at six again, I can, you know, I can fire for Paul George in the second round, but there's no guarantee that the same guys are going to be where they were. It's different people. These are, again, people that do listen to the podcast. Some of them opinionated. But what are we going to do here? So that one got going, and all of a sudden, it got to pick five. And Luka was still there, and Giannis was still there. And I thought, uh-oh, I'm, I'm not going to get Dame. And sure enough, fifth pick, hoop ball zone, Alan Siroki, he took Dame. Which meant, at least I didn't have to think about it, Nikola Jokic. So I got Jokic at six. And you could tell that this is a sharp roto group because Luka didn't go in the top three. Luka went behind me at seven. But here's the thing. Now I had Jokic. We already talked about him a little bit in the discussion of our first draft results. But you kind of have to make a choice. Almost right out of the shoot. I have Jokic. What am I doing with points? Because threes are easy. You can get threes late, as we said in the other draft. You know, Tim Hardaway Jr., I got late. Duncan Robinson, I got semi-late. Not really, but a little bit late. So you can rack up three-pointers late in the draft. You're not going to make up for Jokic's lack of scoring in the 11, 12, 13 rounds of your fantasy draft. So my thought here is by my second pick, I'm going to be choosing whether or not I am more or less giving up on scoring. Because if I don't take a guy in the second round that's going to be posting massive scoring numbers, there's almost no catching up let look at some of the other guys that are going here. Uh, just the guys around me. You know, who the guy who had Luca right behind me, he has this big edge. He can take someone who's a little bit lower in scoring in the second round if he wants to. Someone who has Devin Booker can take someone who's a little lower in the second round in scoring if they want to. They don't have to, but they could. And as it started to loop back to me, I realized that, you know, the team that had... Uh, Kawhi, as Kawhi and Kevin Durant, that team's going to score a ton. Trey Young in the first round paired that with Paul George, that team's going to score a ton. Booker and Embiid, Giannis and LeBron in that punt team. I mean, th- these teams are going to score a ton. Tatum and Bradley Beal, that team's going to score a lot. Luca and Bam, a little bit less. Regardless five of the six teams that picked in the second round before it got back to me are going to blow me away in scoring. And there's very little that I'm going to be able to do about that unless I take guys in the third, fourth, fifth round that I don't really want. And that's not how I wanted to do this. Like, I don't really want to take Donovan Mitchell in the third round. I don't want to be, you know, lodged into having to take like a D'Angelo Russell in the fourth round. These aren't guys I'm targeting Though they are arguably the best scoring options on the board once you get into those next couple of rounds. So it got back to me in the second round. I thought, all right, well, here's our choice. I'm not taking I'm not taking Russell Westbrook because I'm just not gonna I'm not gonna build off of that type of guy. I'm not gonna immediately put a hole in a couple of things. I think there's some guys in the third round I can get. Like I'm pretty sure I'm going to be able to get Chris Paul if I want to in the third round. So do I do Shea and do something wild? Do I go John Collins? Or do I go DeAndre Ayton? And those are the sort of the three choices that I had settled on with my second round pick. Ultimately, I went Ayton, largely because I I think Collins is going to have a good year, but I'm not totally sold that he can keep up the block rate all season long or the rebounding rate with Clint Capella in town. So with Jokic... Yeah, I have the opportunity to pretty much go whatever way I want. So I went DeAndre Ayton in the second round to cover up one of the areas that Jokic is not that great at, which is blocked shots. And now my team is also very good at rebounding. Jokic and Ayton, top two. Very good in uh, both percentages because two big men that can shoot the free throw. Pretty good in blocks. Great in rebounding. Not very good in scoring. Fine in assists because Jokic... Like, not great. I didn't have two assist guys, but I have one. Uh, Steals could use some work now. And these are easy things to cover. So I need steals, assists, and I want to do it on good percentages. And uh, that guy's just waiting for me in the third round, and I knew he was coming back to me, so I took Chris Paul. And now I have a team where I basically built a Chris Paul, DeAndre Ayton build. Those two guys, a brilliant pair. Great in both percentages. Still not that great in three-pointers, by the way. I'm, I'm fully aware that that's a thing at this point. But I, I've largely given up on scoring. But I'm very good in rebounding, assists, steals, blocks. Great now in turnovers after following Jokic, who's relatively low by all first-round standards. He's kind of middle of the pack in that group. But Aiton and Paul, pretty low in turnovers for what they do. And all I really need to worry about now is, you know, do I want to go threes or points? Neither, both. But my other stuff is in great shape. By the fourth round, I had a few guys that I was eyeballing at this point. I wanted Jonas Valanciunas. You guys know I love JV. Um, I wanted some more uh, across-the-board type guys. But somehow, and this surprised me, at pick 43, Demonis Sabonis was still on the board. So I just took him. You know, This was against the, the normal plan I was going on. But he was still out there, and so for, you know, it came down to Sabonis or Brandon Ingram at this point. I thought Ingram would have been a really nice fit. Good now at both percentages, would have got me some scoring, some rebounding, some assists. You know, like both of those, neither one of those guys has all that accomplished in the defensive departments, but just some nice, well-rounded guys. And my rebounding is huge. Now, my rebounding is unstoppable. My field goal percent is unstoppable. My free throw percent is very, very good, considering I only have one guard on my team. So that'll be easy to take care of later. Um, if I want to, if I want to. I, I Like, I'm just feeling I'm on cloud nine at this point, And I, I'm looking at this team thinking, you know, I, like the only thing I could really do here would be threes and defensive stats. That's where I'm, that's where I'm hustling. And that guy was there for me in round five. I picked 54. This is earlier than I would have normally done it, but I went Rocco because I love him. And even though there were a couple of the guys on my list that were actually above him in terms of you know where I would want to take them, this was the guy who completed the build. It was the two-plus-three-pointers-per-game guy. You know, Rocco was, what, by two-and-a-half, three-pointers-per-game last year? Massive steals and blocks. Good free throw percent. I don't, my field goal percent, I don't care what he does. He doesn't take that many shots per game anyway. Uh, and so that's the guy I needed there. That's the guy I needed. He fit the build perfectly. So I was very excited. I'm really happy about my team at this point. Round six comes around, and uh, I wanted Buddy Heald actually at this juncture because I really wanted a three point infusion from a guy who can make a lot of them and a very good free throw shooter, but he got snapped up and. Then, you know, there were a couple guys on the board at this point that I thought, these are probably the guys that I should take for my team. But there was a guy still out there that I was very surprised was still out there at 67, and that was Lonzo Ball, who, again, I didn't really plan on going the Lonzo route, but I'm also well aware of how great he was at the end of last year, and he's getting that type of responsibility now all year long. So I just took the guy at this point that I thought was going to have the best season. He does get me two plus three pointers per game. Steals, blocks, rebounds, assists. Percentages not good. But again, my team can handle that at this point. And so I passed up on Marcus Smart. I passed up on Brandon Clark uh, because, you know, there was a guy still out there that I felt didn't belong. And if I have to, I can unload him at some point. So now I get to round seven and I realize, you know, I... My team is probably a little weak in blocks still because it's basically DeAndre Ayton and Rob Covington that actually do anything on the shot blocking department. And my team is definitely still a bit weak in three-pointers. Rocco and Lonzo are helpful, but I've I got to make sure that there's something going on there. And so I went a little bit early on another guy, and that was Brooke Lopez because you know I thought about Nerland's Noel here, but I felt like it was too early. I thought I could probably get him in the next round. Um, I thought about OG Ananobi and Davis Bertans here, but I wanted to make sure that I got that I could grab another defensive stat. So give me Brook Lopez. Good free throw shooting big man. I'm very big heavy at this point. Uh, but I now I'm good now I'm good in three pointers. I got three guys in a row that actually hit a few of them, and then a couple of guys that hit not many, and then you know, Aiden who's probably not gonna take any at all. And now, at this point, my main goal is just to make sure that I don't kill anything I've worked so hard to build through those first seven picks. I feel like my team is very good in field goal percent, pretty good in free throw percent, but not great. Scoring, not good. Three pointers now, I'm at least average. Sub, not great, but average. Scoring, not good. We're done with that. Rebounding, I'm a beast. Assists, I'm a beast. Steals, beast, blocks, beast, turnovers, beast. Like, I feel like my team is very, very good in six out of nine categories. That's great. And decent in two and really only kind of bad in one. So I've sort of ended up in a punt points build by accident here, but that's where you end up with with Jokic at times. The next two picks, I went Norman Powell in the eighth round earlier than I normally would. But again, I want a a guy who's going to help me in percentages, steals, points, things like that. Norman Powell's just not going to hurt me. I want the guys that are not going to hurt me and add to what I do best. And guess what? If I do end up punting points, I can trade him. Same story for the ninth round. I had no plans on picking Kemba again, but there he was at 102. If he gives me 45 games of top 45 at 102, hell yeah, I'll take it. Easy choice there for me this late in the game. And now you start to get into some of the other weird stuff. Uh, round 10, somehow I ended up with Otto Porter again. I don't I don't really know how that keeps happening. Round 11, I went Terrence Ross. I think he ends up having a pretty good year. You now three steals. At this point, I'm not really looking for stats. I'm looking for the guys that I think might give me top 75 who have a chance. I shouldn't say might because that's like saying I expect them to do it. These are the guys that I thought had the best chance at this point to get near the top 75 mark. I wanted Larry Nance, but I didn't get him. I finally didn't get Will Barton in one of my leagues. I think I have him (laughs) in the other three. Uh, You know, but I felt like Otto Porter had a path to it. Uh, I felt like Terrence Ross has a path to it. In the the 12th round, I went Paul Millsap, because he's actually looked pretty good in the preseason. And his backup now is bigger in Jermichael Green, so maybe that means there's a little more space I know Michael Porter Jr. will play a little bit of power forward, but I don't want him getting trucked too much. Round 13, uh, I went Dwight Powell. Yeah, maybe. Like, I could use a big man on this team at this point. We'll see. Uh, Jeff Teague in the 14th, he'll probably get dropped. And then Gary Harris in the 15th, he'll almost definitely get dropped. And those are your two drafts. We don't have time for the third one on today's show. Um, well, I mean, I could just read off the names. Do, would you guys actually want that? I don't even know if you guys would the remotest bit interested in this. Uh, here, here are the names I got. I had the 10th pick in my last draft. Uh, this one, I, it was head-to-head, and I got Devin Booker in the first round, and right out of the shoot, I, I knew I was going to be punting something. Uh, second round, I took Jason Tatum just because he was still there and he shouldn't have been. Third round, Russell Westbrook, and fourth round, Kyle Lowry. Those are the best players on the board for me, and after looking at my team at that point, pretty clearly uh, a punt turnover team. Because Booker, Westbrook, and Lowry, all going to be at least three, probably a a couple of them pushing four. So at this point, I started logging a turnover punt build, and I went John Wall at 58. He'll be a monster in a punt turnover build. Tobias Harris at 63 because I had too many chances prior to that. Uh, And then... It's starting to look like I might be a punt field goal percent team too because I at this point I have no big men. So I went Kevin Love, who's a big man who's not good at shooting the ball. Boyan Bogdanovich, same story, power forward, not a great field goal percent guy. Marvin Bagley, I went in the ninth round because I thought he was going to rack up a whole bunch of points and rebounds, and I desperately needed them because Kevin Love and Tobias Harris were not going to flow me and Westbrook in the rebounding department. Uh, and then I really started to lean into the scoring, basically a punt turnover, punt field goal percent build. So Lou Williams, Will Barton, Alec Burks, JJ Reddick, all these guys became Josh Hart. They all became really interesting. I took a DeAndre Jordan in there because I felt like my team needed rebounds. He'll probably end up getting dropped, but we'll see. Like maybe the like I, I actually am a little bit more bullish on DeAndre than most analysts, I think, because I believe that it's gonna take at least half the year for uh the the Brooklyn Nets brass to convince KD and Kyrie that DeAndre is the worst center option between him and and Jared Allen. So in the meantime, uh, we'll just rack up some rebounds to make sure my team is not the absolute worst in that department. I don't care if he's not blocking shots. Clearly, that's become a weak point on this team as well. And this became now a club where I think my team is extraordinary in free throw percent, scoring, threes, assists, steals, at least um and then adequate my team went from really horrible in turnovers to being kind of adequate in them but they'll probably lose most of the time uh i'm adequate in um rebounding and uh not very good in in block shots not very good in block shots or uh, or field goal percent so this this became a pretty hardcore like try to win 6 out of 9 categories every week kind of head to head roster. So we'll we'll see how that goes. Um but head to head, you know, you I like I, I never punt in roto. I I almost think you have to punt something in head to head. If you try to be all good in all nine, someone's going to come in who executed the punt in the playoffs and and blister you. It's easier to get a top 2 seed if you're not punting. If you're good in 8 out of 9 categories, You know, you have an opportunity to win seven to two, some weeks, eight to one, six to three. Whereas if you're punting, you know, six to three is probably your best case scenario. You're probably not going to win better than that. So you're not going to climb the leaderboard real fast. You're just going to slowly accrue wins, and you'll probably be a four seed. But if your team really pulls off the punt, it doesn't kind of matter what your seed is, provided you can be better than your opponent in the five categories you've lasered in on. And, like, look at this team that I built, and I would be hard-pressed to see this team losing assists, steals, free throw percent, scoring on any week. Like, I can basically guarantee I'm going to win those four categories 95% of the time. And threes, did I say threes? Scoring, threes, free throw percent, assists, steals. Those five, I'd be very hard-pressed to see this team lose on any given week. And then I might luck my way into either rebounding or turnovers if I happen to have a week where my guys aren't playing as much. Uh, probably not going to win field goal percent any week. Although you never know, guys can get hot at the same time. Like, Devin Booker's not terrible for, as a, for a guard in that respect. I have some guys that are really terrible, but if, you know if they get hot on any given week. And I'm almost definitely going to lose blocks every single week. Kind of forgot about that one, so oops, but whatever. Uh, so that that's the head-to-head team and, and that uh, snuck that in here towards the end of the show uh, tomorrow we're going to talk to our old buddy Vince Miracle we'll celebrate opening day with a uh, reunion my first ever co-host here on Fantasy NBA Today happy to have him back around the hoob these days last chance by the way folks if you want to get in on the draft season Fantasy Pass special which of course for $4.99 a month you get the uh, Brew- Brewski 150 that is you know, if you still got your draft coming up tonight If you have a draft tonight, it's got the draft guide in it. It has the DFS pass in it. It has our in-season package in it. But what I will say is, if you don't have a draft tonight, but are still considering the fantasy pass for the hoop ball regular season, wait until tomorrow. Because right now, during draft season, there is a commitment. Once you get it, you have to get it. You have to have it for X number of months before you can cancel. If you wait until the season actually starts, you can do the Fantasy Pass for one month, and if you don't like it, you can actually cancel. It'll only run you $4.99. I am so excited about the in-season part of this Fantasy Pass, because this year, the DFS Pass, which is still included in it during the in-season part, and the Discord channel, and I've been talking about that on this podcast for a couple of days, but it is incredible. The Discord channel already has multiple hundreds, like oh, multiple hundreds of you guys. And all the hoop ball pros, all the analysts are just floating around in there all day long. Questions are flying. We were going to have office hours, but I don't even know if that's necessary anymore because guys are just answering questions all the time. It is accessed like you've never had before. Frankly, that alone is worth the $4.99 a month. But, of course, you're also going to get our new fantasy appraiser tool, which is a lot of the actual statistical tools that people are looking for. That'll be at Ball. You get the premium articles, schedule grid, depth charts, all that stuff. Still comes with it, but no commitment once you well, after tomorrow when you get that fantasy pass. So once the season starts, you're part of the in-season purchasing bucket. So please do. Wait one more day if you've already had your draft. If you have a draft tonight, get it right now. So you get the B-150 and all that stuff in it. But if you already had your drafts, wait one more day and then try the Fantasy Pass with us here at Ball. Get into the Discord channel. If any of you listening are subscribers already and are not in the Discord channel, please bother me. We've been sending emails out with the invite link to subscribers but if you're not getting it, like maybe it's ending up in your spam folder or you're having trouble logging in, bug me on Twitter, at Dan Vespers, Hit me up or send an email to uh, teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. Let me help you get into the Discord. Use the stuff that you get with your subscription. Or if you don't have one, go get one. I'm Dan Vespers. This is Fantasy NBA Today. Hope you guys enjoyed, uh, enjoyed Dan's three drafts day on the podcast. Tomorrow, basketball. Man, so long, everybody. This has been a Hoop Ball presentation.